Now, I know everyone is already aware, but if you haven't heard, Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Now, I know this announcement may have been upsetting to some of you guys, but we're going to be delving into why this is actually a good thing. Also, Joe Biden has officially announced his 2024 run for president today, making sure to slander MAGA Americans along the way. Another transurrection has taken place at the state capitol in Montana. But of course, instead of maybe denouncing the insurrections of capitals nationwide or protecting the young American girls whose spaces continue to be invaded by men, the Biden administration has again put their commitment to the LGBTQ community at the forefront as they celebrate Lesbian Visibility Week. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I apologize that we didn't have our regular Monday show. I was on Tim Pool last night. So here we are today on a Tuesday. Now we have a lot to get to, my friends. We are going to be discussing everything from the border crisis to, again, Tucker Carlson departing Fox News and why this is actually a good thing. Because, uh, you know, I was monitoring Twitter all day yesterday and a lot of people were completely shocked by this decision. They were upset by this decision. We are seeing a mass cancellation of Fox News memberships, many Americans vowing never to watch the network again. So while we'll be getting into all of that today, but first off, please remember that this show is it's supported by you guys. And one of the best ways to do that is by going to my subscribe star. The link is down below. Now, one of the perks of subscribing used to be that you would have access to direct messaging with me. However, there are so many messages that I now cannot keep up with all of them. So if you would like to support the work, this is a fun way to do so. Um, if not, you can also just go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review if you like the show and let me know what you think about it. It helps us grow in the charts, and I absolutely love getting to hear from each and every single one of you regarding how you feel about the show. Now, let's go ahead and jump into the media massacre that is currently taking place, because when I tell you the entire the entire media empire right now is being upended, and it has been absolutely insane to watch. Now, Susan Rice, not necessarily a part of the media empire, but uh, Susan Rice is gone from the Biden White House. Uh, BuzzFeed last week declared bankruptcy. Vice News is possibly next. The CEO of MSNBC resigned. Don Lemon was fired from CNN. Um, Bongino and Carlson gone from Fox News. And also, um, NBC Universal CEO was also forced out of his position um, regarding or for sexual harassment allegations. So a lot of shakeups going on in the media world right now with, of course, Tucker Carlson being the number one biggest story. Uh, when I first saw this, I was I'm not going to lie to you guys. I wasn't shocked because I was hearing some murmurings behind the scenes that this was something that was potentially going to be happening. So I wasn't necessarily shocked. And I also have seen the trajectory of Fox News over the past couple of years, whether it was with COVID and the vaccine or the 2020 election. They have been very soft on quite a few issues. And we all know who is running Fox News behind the scenes. So this to be quite honest with you, was not very surprising to me. However, like I said, very heartbreaking for many across the nation. As uh, Glenn Greenwald points out, Tucker was the cable host who most opposed the U.S. proxy war in Ukraine, denounced the CIA, the, the FBI, and DHS for its systemic lies and corruption, devoted himself to a pardon for Julian Assange, objected the regime change efforts in Cuba, and criticized Trump administration's militarism. So again. Tucker Carlson really was one of the only people that was bringing this type of news to the older generation that might not have ever seen it. He was always, uh, you know, reporting on whatever was being overlooked by the entire media. Now, a couple of updates on the firing. Um, this is being reported by Alistair Bostwick, who works for Yahoo News, Bloomberg and formerly BuzzFeed News. Uh, he says Tucker Carlson has not been fired by Fox, but essentially is being held in employment hostage by Fox News. He's still employed, but locked out of his email and show via CEO Suzanne Scott, currently bound by existing employment contracts, aka silenced, 95% uh, confidence interval. So some people are speculating that, uh, you know, 
Tucker Carlson hasn't spoken out because he's being bound by his contract. Others speculating that he was happy to leave Fox News because he has presidential ambitions. Some people tying his firing to the Dominion voting system lawsuit that was just settled by Fox News. Others tying it to these allegations of anti-Semitism and sexism by this former Tucker Carlson Booker, which, by the way, I'm already seeing Fox News sources, because keep in mind right now, everything is speculation. It's just anonymous Fox News sources that are dropping little tips and hints here and there about why Tucker may or may not have been fired. Uh, So one of the people that I follow on Twitter said that his Fox News source stated that this woman coming forward saying that Tucker was anti-Semitic and racist and horrible never even met him because she was working in the New York offices while Tucker was at his home offices in either Maine or Florida. So a lot of speculation going on right now, but I think one of the things that we can concretely say is that Tucker Carlson was top dog. He was not afraid to throw the punches where need be. Again, he highlighted the corruption of our three letter agencies. He was consistently calling out the corruption in our government on both the right and the left. And I think one of the most important lessons I've learned just watching Tucker over the years is to never make friends with politicians, right? I've seen this with so many other commentators where they'll have politicians on their shows very consistently or they'll even have shows with politicians. And then when said politician messes up, eh, they they don't want to come forth and you know criticize them. So I've always looked up to Tucker for his ability to criticize uh, people specifically in the right wing because a lot of media members are afraid to do so a.k.a. the entire left wing that refuses to condemn Joe Biden, despite the fact that he's catapulting the United States of America to our destruction. Now, let's go over some of the things that Tucker did release and why it's a good thing that he is no longer with Fox News. Now, my friends, I tweeted this out yesterday. Uh, Remember the time Tucker released the video footage withheld by the January 6th commission, blowing open their lies and exonerating the political prisoners they were holding without trial? This led to the release of Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. the Q Shaman, and the media screaming that he destroyed democracy. What a guy. So I tweeted this out, and we have to remember as well that Tucker Carlson allowing the public to see more footage from January 6th, giving the public more transparency um, regarding the day that the media has compared to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. That was essentially the destruction of democracy in the left wing's eyes. Remember, we had people like AOC and Chuck Schumer calling for Tucker Carlson to be kicked off air because he had the audacity to be a real journalist and show people the truth about January 6th. It was not the worst day in American history. It wasn't the death of democracy. The majority of people that day were peaceful and they didn't enter the Capitol building. Now, Ray Epps has been at the forefront of conversation and a lot of people are like, oh, well, you can't say that he's a Fed because that's defamatory. Uh, Tucker Carlson highlighted Ray Epps as well, was very much going after Ray Epps and his ties to the FBI, his ties to the federal government. Because keep in mind, and let's not forget that it was Tucker Carlson that was talking to um, one of the heads of the FBI and under oath asked them, hey, can you definitively say that on January 6th, there were no federal agents involved in violent actions on January 6th? And what ended up happening, they couldn't respond with a definite no. So it's absolutely hilarious to me that Tucker came out with his January 6th footage and the media has spent their entire past couple of months Defending Ray Epps, because remember when they have covered January 6th insurrectionists, it's always been uh, them painted as domestic terrorists. But now that Ray Epps, more light is coming um, and being shown on Ray Epps and his ties and to January 6th and what he did that day. Now you have 60 minutes coming out and basically saying, oh yeah, the FBI said that Ray Epps is not involved with with them at all. And then you have the LA Times. Um, This was one of my favorite things. They were uh, talking about Ray Epps and they said, Ray Epps, a January 6th insurrectionist who did not enter the Capitol building, by the way. And this is really funny to just see, again, the same mainstream media who demonized the peaceful January 6thers as domestic 
domestic terrorist for the past two years now running cover for Ray Epps and saying, oh, well, he didn't even go inside the building. So like it, it's just ignore him. Please stop reporting on him now. Sorry, getting back to Tucker, that was a very long tangent. I just always like to brush up on January 6th because, uh, you know, the news cycle is vicious. We're completely bombarded every single day with uh, new distractions. So it's important for us to not forget the realities of January 6th and the fact that they were that 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 day was not as bad as Pearl Harbor, was not equatable to 9-11, that just a couple hours later, Congress was back to certifying the election in the exact same building, which was being insurrection. Now, going back to what I said about Tucker and why it's a good thing that he's leaving Fox. Now, remember that there was 40,000 hours of January 6th footage that was given to Tucker Carlson's team. And we were all told that he was going to continue releasing more footage. He had exposed, um, again, a lot of those January 6ers being let into the Capitol building. He, again, blew open the entire January 6th commission narrative and exposed them all to be liars, which is why they had their meltdown and tantrum. But then we never saw anything after that. Now, this is just my own assumption, but I would venture to say that maybe government officials who were already openly threatening that Tucker Carlson was a threat to this country and calling for him to be taken off of air made some calls to people at Fox News and further stopped the transparency regarding the January 6th footage because we never saw anything else about that. And also, what is coming up in 2024, my friends? A very important election. Now, Scott Pressler put this tweet out today, and we're going to read the entire thing because he very well details the issues that are going to be ahead for the right wing in 2024. He says, I have to be honest with you, right now, Joe Biden is on his way to re-election. If Republicans plan to only vote on election day in 2024, we will lose. Like when 30% of Maricopa County, Arizona polling locations had machine errors on one day. My vote in the presidential primary will be largely influenced by the candidate who is building the most robust voter registration and ballot harvesting operations. To the current declared candidates, President Trump, Nikki Haley, and Vivek Ramaswamy, none of you are going to win unless you begin building these GOTV initiatives now. Furthermore, that plan must not be simply relying on the national party apparatus to buttress your campaign. I wouldn't be writing these words if I didn't care deeply about our country, while also understanding that we don't have a current viable structure to take back the White House. If we are serious about winning, we must push a strong economy message or economic message to improve the quality of life, focus on voter registration and ballot harvesting, and welcome Gen Z into the party. So Scott goes on to talk about how he is working on this um, right now. And again, he he really is at the forefront the front lines and the forefront of registering voters and of trying to make sure that the election is as secure and fortified as possible come 2024. Now, I want to focus in on this part right here where he talks about Maricopa County on election day and how their polling locations had so many errors in one day. Remember that uh, Carrie Lake was running for governor against Katie Hobbs and the entirety of that day of election day, the voting machines continue to have errors. Some people saying, I don't know if my vote was even calculated. Um, it was a complete mess, right? Now, Fox News just settled their lawsuit with Dominion. They paid more than $787 million to avert the defamation trial over 2020 uh, CNN rights, election lies that were purported by Fox News hosts. Funny enough, uh, Tucker Carlson isn't even mentioned in this. Um, but the reason why this is important is because Come 2024, we do have serious problems. We do have problems with elections in this country. We've seen that time and time again, that the machines that we are using are not very secure. Fox News just settled this lawsuit with Dominion regarding questioning elections, right? 
Do you think that ahead of 2024, verifiably one of the most important presidential elections in our lifetime, do you think Tucker Carlson would be able to report accurately on the insecurity of voting machines, on the realities of needing to ballot harvest or do voter registration? To be quite honest with you, I feel like Fox News has their hosts hands tied so much because of this settlement, because of all of these lawsuits, that Tucker would not have been able to discuss these issues. And it is important that we are investigating and journalists are talking about these issues ahead of 2024. Now, this is why I think that it's a great thing that Tucker is out at Fox, because a lot of people were saying, okay, now we're going to see Tucker unleashed. Now we're going to be able to see Tucker Carlson maybe go on a platform like Rumble where there's no censorship and he can report on the real issues. He can report on January 6th. He can speak freely about what is currently going on in the United States of America without being tied and tethered to an entity telling him what he can and cannot say. So I know a lot of you guys were sad about this, but to be quite honest with you, I only see silver linings with this. Uh, Again, this comes from Insider. Paul Ryan, who's on the board of Fox News, by the way, didn't hesitate to blame Tucker Carlson when asked about the toxic sludge and disinformation on Fox News. Now, Paul Ryan and uh, Rupert Murdoch, by the way, Uh, you know, both very influential people in the background of Fox News, very anti-Trump as well. So many people speculating that Fox News trying to really distance themselves from any host who might be pro-Trump might continue to spread the message that, hey, Donald Trump is a very strong candidate ahead of 2024. Maybe Fox News wanted to distance themselves from their own host being able to speak about that. So the backgrounds of Fox News have been filled with what you would call rhinos this entire time. Fox News has been soft on a lot of issues. I'm grateful to Tucker's team. I'm grateful for all of the appearances I've had on the network because while I was censored, uh, here's a picture of me and Tucker and Tucker Carlson today. When Twitter did have my work censored for two years, his team made sure to platform me. Laura Ingram's team also made sure to platform my work. So I am uh, you know, grateful to these hosts individually for that. But as a network, Fox News isn't great. And Tucker Carlson no longer being tied to them is going to be incredible for him. And I think that we are going to see new levels of truth that we've never seen before. And what do I mean when I say that as well? Not only are we going to potentially have Tucker Carlson, who is going to have zero people telling him what he can and cannot say, but further than that, we also have a Twitter that is run by Elon Musk, who champions citizen journalists, who champions uh, people going out into the street reporting themselves. And he says, you know what? I love that. Show the American people the truth. I want the truth on my platform. So we've gotten Twitter back. Uh, look at YouTube, right? Oh, you get censored on YouTube. Well, guess what? Rumble is absolutely exploding right now because it is a legitimate and I would even say better competitor to YouTube. So we are making moves right now. And this is a great time for truth. This is a great time for independent media. So I know a lot of you guys want to be sad about Tucker leaving Fox, but I think that overall, this is going to be an incredible thing. By the way, uh, Tucker, if you go to his Twitter bio, and you click the link, it's going to immediately um, you know, take you to his website. And he's already having people sign up for updates to keep up with what Tucker is doing next. So, uh, you know, Tucker, a very smart man. I'm not worried in the slightest about his continued upward trajectory because he is one of the most loved conservative voices in the right wing. He is one of the most humble and genuine human beings. I've talked about this on my show previously, how the first time I met Tucker Carlson, he greeted me like he was my biggest fan. And I felt so humbled and I felt so grateful to meet him so early in my career because I said, that's how I want to act. No matter how big I become, that is the attitude and the humility that I hope to enact one day. So Tucker Carlson has uh, inspired so many people like myself. He has uplifted so many independent journalists, and that is why he is truly loved. Now, uh, go ahead and um, compare that to Don Lemon, who was fired from CNN yesterday as well. Now, the funny thing is, is we can ask the question, Tucker Carlson, Nobody has any doubt that his career is going to explode after this. Whatever he does, 
post Fox News, it's going to be headline news the day that he comes out with it, right? Whereas with Don Lemon, Rick Ross offered him a job at Wingstop because even Rick Ross knows that Don Lemon does not have a career after CNN. So Don Lemon put this out yesterday as well. I was informed this morning by my agent that I had been terminated by CNN. I am stunned. After 17 years at CNN, I would have thought that someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. And then he goes on to talk about how he had... um no indication that he wouldn't be able to continue his work, um, that there's larger issues at play. By the way, um, it did seem that Tucker was ready to do his Monday night show and other sources saying that his entire team was there preparing a show. And then all of a sudden, Tucker was kicked off Fox News. So it's hilarious to me that Don Lemon is coming out with this statement, trying to victimize himself, whereas Tucker Carlson, uh, who did have, it seems, the rug ripped out from under him, is just silently in the shadows. And again, that could be because of contractual reasons, but I also think it's because Tucker's smart and he's calculated. Unlike Don Lemon, by the way, a CNN came out and fact-checked their former host and said, Don Lemon's statement about this morning's events is inaccurate. He was offered an opportunity to meet with management, but instead released a statement on Twitter. My favorite part about Don Lemon reporting on his own firing is that he couldn't even do that accurately. If that's not the perfect encapsulation of his entire career at CNN, I don't know what is. And it's just absolutely chef's kiss. Now, when Tucker Carl Wilson, it was announced that he and Fox News were parting ways. They lost a billion dollars, okay? Their stocks plummeted and they lost a billion dollars. Do you think that CNN lost a billion dollars after they announced that Don Lemon was no longer a part of the network? I would venture to say that their stocks probably rose. People were probably like, oh, wow, CNN is actually trying to uh, legitimize their agency, their network, by firing ridiculous people. By the way, uh, Don Lemon was interviewing presidential candidate Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, and he basically told him, you can't talk to me about American history and how former Americans used guns to defend their rights because uh, Vivek was talking about Black Americans specifically and how they use their Second Amendment to secure their American freedoms. And Don Lemon basically said, you can't say that to me because you're not Black. I don't know whatever race you are, but you're not Black, so you can't say that. And I think, you know, the CNN execs were just like, okay, enough is enough. Boot this man. Now, final thing on this, again, I know this was yesterday's news, so we'll be getting into more stuff here in a moment that is more up to date. But we can't get off this topic without playing the response video of AOC, who again has been calling for Tucker Carlson to be kicked off of air for months now. This was AOC's response. By the way, The View had a whole entire uh, dance party after it was announced that Tucker was released from Fox News. And then here was AOC's response. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, what I will say, though, is while I'm very glad that the person that was arguably responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats, not just to my office, but to plenty of people across the country, deplatforming works and it is important. And um, there you go. Good things can happen. So we're going to highlight a couple of things here, starting off with her deplatforming works. And it's important. So there you go. I want you to understand the precedent that is being set here when sitting elected officials think that it's a good thing to censor journalists that they don't agree with in the United States of America. When you have sitting congresswomen who are celebrating censorship of their political opposition. Now, she wants to say that Tucker is responsible for all, all of these death threats against her. Okay, so um, AOC, where was your video denouncing CNN, MSNBC, um, all of the mainstream media networks who arguably and actually did put Kyle Rittenhouse and Nick Sandman's life at risk by lying about them so viciously that they both won their lawsuits uh, against the mainstream media. Nick Sandman um, 
yeah, he he won a lot of money for his defamation suits. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, I believe, did file uh, lawsuits against the mainstream media as well. I haven't been keeping up with him as much, though, so I don't know if, uh, you know, the results of those have come yet. But either way, you know, if AOC actually cared about the American people as opposed to uh, silencing her opposition, she would have been very vocal about that. But again, she doesn't actually care. Now, Joe Biden came forward and announced his run for president come 2024. And this was the video that he decided to put out. We're going to listen to the first 30 seconds, and then I'm just going to go ahead and give commentary after. But it's an absolute joke. It's how long is this video? Three minutes. It's three minutes of just straight up lies. And uh, Joe Biden pretending that he cares or even understands what fundamental American freedoms are. Let's watch. Freedom. You don't know what that means, dude. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. <laughs> really? Nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight really for our funny. democracy. This should uh-huh. be a red revolution. Yeah, it really should. But uh, it's funny that this is coming from the same guy who weekly calls for our guns to be taken away from us, who calls for our fundamental uh, right to protect ourselves to be taken away from us. This is the same president. This is the same party, by the way, that championed forcing your child to wear a face mask, forcing you to shut down your business, allowing liquor stores and uh, big corporations to keep their stores open while your business was destroyed, while your children stayed at home because they were not allowed to go to school because of the government and they suffered mental issues, uh, you know, depression, anxiety. This is the same party that is consistently calling to take away our rights, that is consistently labeling us domestic terrorists. Remember that it was uh, Biden's DOJ that has been coming after members of the Catholic Church, that has been coming after people who disagree with what his administration has been doing. Now, I probably should have touched on this a little bit more, but um, there is a story going on right now about uh, these African American, and they're like more radical leftists, but they were spreading memes, uh, basically opposing Biden's proxy war in Ukraine, and they're now facing felony charges. Remember what happened with, um, oh, his, his name is escaping me right now, but we were just talking about his case the other day too. And he just was found guilty for sharing memes about Hillary Clinton saying, oh, you can text blah, blah, blah to cast your vote for Hillary. There were zero victims of his memes, but he was still charged for that. So uh, welcome to Biden's America. You no longer have your freedom of speech. The government is allowed to come after you. And um, it's just hilarious to me that this same person who continues to fight to take away our rights and freedoms every single day, had the audacity to start his video out with freedom. It's an absolute joke. Uh, By the way, nobody, not even the Democratic Party, wants to own Joe Biden. Poll from The Hill, 70% of voters don't want Biden to run for a second term. A majority of Americans said in a new CNBC All-America economic survey that they don't want President Biden to run for a second term in 2024. The survey published Friday found that 70% of those polled said they didn't want Biden to run again, largely citing his age. 19% of respondents said they would support a re-election bid. So there you guys go. And then they go on to talk about Trump saying 61% of respondents said they don't want to see him run for president either. We will see. You know, it's it's really fun. I do believe that nobody wants Joe Biden running. I don't know so much about Trump. I think he still has some popularity. We will see what happens with that one. Um, you know, it's still early. That's why I really haven't been talking too much about the 2024 election cycle, because to be quite honest with you, I couldn't be bothered right now. Just to highlight further how not even the most progressive leftists want to own Joe Biden. Uh, this is from the Young Turks Senk Uger, who says DNC has already announced that it will not allow any debates in 2024. Biden is not to be challenged. Everyone on the Democratic side must shut up and fall in line. Not having debates is undemocratic and ridiculous. No progressive should agree to this 
kind of power grab. Absolutely hilarious to me when um, the people on the side of those who scream defend democracy finally realize that the entire Democratic Party has done nothing to actually defend democracy. Not that we are a democracy, by the way, but since they love to reiterate that, um, yeah, again, you just had AOC uh, clapping and applauding the fact that journalists are being censored in the United States of America. We have seen the persecution of the January 6th political prisoners, and we've seen the weaponization of our justice system against them in hiding the evidence that would have exonerated them. We have seen the government officials, we've seen police officers go in and again, shut people's businesses down for uh, disobeying the government's unconstitutional orders. So it's really funny that um, it took no debates for progressives to wake up to how bad their party is. But I guess we also had Andrew Yang coming forward saying Joe Biden announced his reelection bid today, making his rematch versus Trump ever more likely. The Dems haven't bothered scheduling primary debates, despite the fact that a majority of Democrats are uncomfortable with Joe running again, largely because he will be 82 in 2024. I love how they always have to divert to his age and not the fact that he's mentally incompetent, that he has no idea what he's doing, that he's consistently getting lost, that he should be in a retirement home, not pretending to run an entire country, that he doesn't have uh, corrupt business dealings via his son with Ukraine, with China. You know, the list goes on and on. Now, Donald Trump has also come forward and said that he doesn't want to debate either. He put this out on Truth Social today. I see that everybody is talking about the Republican debates, but nobody got my approval or the approval of the Trump campaign before announcing. When you're leading by seemingly insurmountable numbers and you have hostile networks with angry Trump and MAGA-hating anchors asking the questions, why subject yourself to being libeled and abused? Also, the second debate is being held at the Reagan Library, the chairman of which is amazingly Fred Ryan, publisher of the Washington Post. And then he puts in all caps, no. So you have Joe Biden incapable of debating, which is why the DNC is just like no debates. Like, you know what? We've seen this man speak and uh, it's absolutely horrific. He can't even read off a teleprompter and uh, our AI technology is not good enough for us to release his clone yet. So we just need to not do the debates. Just don't do the debates. And then you have Donald Trump, on the other hand, being like, why would I debate when it's uh, all of these left leaning hosts? who are asking me these questions that are not neutral in any way, shape, or form, but are targeted to attack and to slander and defame Trump. So very interesting where the political space is right now. Um, I will continue to give you the updates on 2024 as they come, but that's where we're at right now. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in this country, right? This is one of the stories that has been at the forefront for many Americans from the Washington Times, a Biden to hike payments for good credit home buyers to subsidize high risk mortgages. So if the economy, if the inflation rates weren't already difficult enough for you guys, uh, home buyers with good credit scores will soon encounter a costly surprise, a new federal rule forcing them to pay higher mortgage rates and fees to subsidize people with riskier credit ratings. So that's right, guys. If you worked your whole life to have a good credit score to make sure that you made all of your payments on time that you were financially responsible so you could buy a home one day and raise a family uh well now you're going to be paying forty dollars per month more on a home loan of four hundred thousand dollars and um yeah if you put this is my favorite part about this too if you put money down for your home which is again another very financially responsible thing to do you're going to be hit with more fees so that's the biden administration for you guys the fee changes will go into effect may 1st as part of the federal housing finance agency's push for affordable housing and they will affect mortgages originating at private banks across the country mortgage industry specialists say home buyers with credit scores of 680 or higher will will pay, for example, about $40 per month more on a home loan of $400,000. Home buyers who make down payments of 15% to 20% will get socked at the largest fees. So um, there you guys go. You're getting, uh, again, th those fees that will be taking place. Um, but don't worry, guys. Um, they don't take place for another five days. So as long as you buy an entire home within the next five days, you guys will be fine. So that's the Biden administration for you. Uh, they hate you. I can't emphasize enough how much they do, except for by giving you more examples of 
who this party puts in office, who this administration champions, uh, people like John Fetterman, by the way, just wanted to highlight again just how much America is crumbling. This comes from the New York Post. John Fetterman says he was so depressed he got lost walking around D.C. Now, let's not forget that John Fetterman was in a mental hospital for, I believe it was three months. He was in there for a long time. Uh, he was struggling with depression, and he is quoted in NPR saying, I was so depressed that I didn't even realize I was depressed. I didn't even understand it. This, to me, just became the new normal. I wasn't realizing I wasn't eating. I didn't realize that I wasn't drinking much. He dropped 25 pounds. Some of the things that he would say were incoherent, and he says, I would become kind of just disoriented and get lost walking around Washington, D.C., so those are the people that the Biden administration champions, people who are mentally incapable of leading, mentally incapable of making proper decisions for their state, for their countrymen. It's disrespectful to the American public, to be quite honest, to have somebody like this in office, but it gets much worse. Illegal aliens who are LGBTQ may not be detained under Democrats' new bill. Also, I don't know if John Fetterman was, let me see how long he was in the hospital for. It was in that article earlier, but it looks like they edited it. How long was Fetterman hospitalized? just want to make sure that I'm being accurate on this show. Okay. Five weeks. So, um, not 90 days. I apologize. I said 90 days just off the top of my head because I was like trying to read and I said that. And I was like, that seems way too excessive. So it was actually five weeks. Let me fact check myself on the show because I don't want to be fake news to you guys. Apologies on that. It was five weeks. Still way too long for, uh, again, a sitting elected official, a sitting U.S. senator to be admitted to any type of hospital at the beginning of his term serving as a senator. Anyways, back to the gay immigrants. Um, this comes from Fox News. Again, illegal aliens um, could potentially not be detained under the Democrats' new bill. Uh, here is Joe Biden's party. Uh, dozens of Democrats in the House and Senate introduced legislation this week that would make it harder to hold illegal aliens in custody if they qualify as a vulnerable person, such as those who are gay, lesbian, transgender, or don't speak English. So basically, this new bill being proposed is just an open borders bill. Like, oh, are you a minority from a different country that's not the United States of America and do not speak English? You can come into our country and we'll let you go free. It's okay if you're with MS-13. It's okay if you're a uh, human smuggler, a child trafficker, if you're trying to bring in copious amounts of fentanyl that are killing American citizens, you're a vulnerable person. So we're just going to go ahead and overlook that and uh, let you right on into the United States of America. Welcome. Here's your gay flag. So that's what the, the Biden administration is focused in on, right? It's an absolute joke. And uh, this was Corrine Jean-Pierre as well, just... Uh, tripling down that the Biden administration doesn't actually care about fixing the economy, lowering gas prices, making sure that American cities are safe, our border is secure, that we have competent leadership, that we have our fundamental freedoms and rights in this country. No, this is the party of death, destruction, the party of the average American citizen being uh, just so constrained and constricted by the government's heavy hand. That is what the Democrat Party is focused in on. And um, by the way, while they're taking away your rights with a smile, they're also going to force you to accept their LGBTQ BS. Here was Corinne Jean-Pierre today. So this week is Lesbian Visibility Week, and as the first openly queer person to hold the position of press secretary for the President of the United States, I see every day how important visibility and representation are. That's enough. That's actually enough. Lesbian Visibility Week. Nobody cares. It's just, it's so exhausting that every week there's some new LGBTQ community that needs to be represented by the Biden administration that needs visibility. It's like, what percentage of the population is this? Like 1%, less than 1%, and you're going to spend valuable time 
in the White House, not talking about how we're funding a proxy war that is continuing to escalate us towards potential nuclear war. Uh, let, yeah, let's uh, completely ignore the BRICS nations that are uh, currently starting to transition to the uh, Chinese yuan instead of being, uh, you know, dependent on the U.S. dollar anymore. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Lesbian Visibility Week. Not surprising from the same administration who has continued to champion transgender individuals over biological women's safety. Now, one good thing did happen. Uh, this happened last week on Thursday. Uh, House GOP passed a bill banning trans identifying males from competing in women's sports teams. This was the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act of 2023. Now, of course, it did pass in the Republican controlled uh, chamber. No Democrats voted on this bill because they hate women. But unfortunately for us, Democrats run the Senate. So this is going to get struck down as soon as it goes to the Senate and the fight to protect women will continue on. Let me just brush you up on what's going on in the United States and nationwide as we completely sacrifice women's right to privacy and safety for men's feelings. From the New York Post. Injured North Carolina volleyball player urge, urges transgender ban for female sports teams in schools. And uh, she urged this because she was seriously injured when a transgender person spiked a ball at her. Peyton McNabb, a senior at um, Hawassi Dam High School in Murphy, told state representatives Wednesday that she suffered a concussion and a neck injury during a game in September when a trans athlete sent a ball into her face. She's still struggling with the effects of her injuries, by the way, including impaired vision, partial paralysis on the right side of her body, unremitting headaches, anxiety, and depression. McNabb claims she has also been forced to obtain accommodations at the school as a result of her impaired ability to understand and retain information. So there you guys go. You want to play in women's sports? Uh, good luck. A man's going to break your skull open and you're going to get a concussion. And then the Biden administration is going to champion the trans woman woman that did that to you and say that you're a bigot for complaining let's keep going from the gateway pundit trans runner credits girl power for beating 14,000 women in london marathon only months after racing in new york city as a man imagine that uh being able to um beat women at their own sports when you're a biological man a runner who raced as recently as november 2022 as a man is celebrating again that girl power for beating almost 14,000 women in the london marathon on sunday he was wearing a sports bra and he ran the New York Marathon on November 6th as Glenn Frank. And then, okay, he went viral after stopping to talk to a BBC reporter who was covering the race. Um, that's when he was wearing the sports bra was this past Sunday. Uh, but he ran the New York Marathon just last year in November as a man. So again, uh, girl power now means biological men coming in and beating women's asses. Great. Now, this story from the Gateway Pundit is also horrific. 42-year-old transgender dressed as a schoolgirl arrested after taking photos of girls in the school restroom. Now, I was reading this story, and allegedly this man identified as transgender, but this really seems like a pedophile who is dressing up as a girl, and he was going to uh, multiple schools in Peru to go take pictures of young girls in the bathroom. Now, the reason why this story is important for us to focus in on is because there are so many stories here in the United States of America of men already doing this. They've been doing it for years. Go as far back as 2010, and you will see stories of men who say they're transgender, dressing up as women, going into women's dressing rooms at the stores, and then snapping photos of women because we, again, no longer prioritize women's safety at all. And this is what is happening here in the U.S., by the way. 
Uh, this comes from Scarlett Johnson on Twitter, who says breaking 18 year old biological male who identified as trans entered the Sun Prairie High School locker room and showered naked next to four freshman girls and exposed his male genitalia to the shocked and horrified 14 year olds. The district did not contact the girls' parents. They did not contact a Title IX coordinator. They did not file the required Title IX complaint. They didn't support the girls. They didn't help them through the traumatic experience. They didn't do any of it. So uh, the parents are now suing. And again, this happened on March 3rd. And you can read the documentation here um, in which a male student approached these girls who uh, had just finished swim practice. They had they went to the shower to go rinse off. And then this male student came into the shower area, said, I'm trans, by the way. And then fully exposed his penis to these four young girls. The girls were caught off guard. They tried to close their eyes, hurry up, and leave the showers as quickly as possible. So there's a modern-day United States, but it gets worse. A sorority at a university in Ohio has let a 37-year-old trans woman in. Now that person is requesting to live in the sorority house. Many girls are against it, but afraid to speak up for fear of being labeled transphobic. So... um, yeah, I think this might potentially be that same university where those sorority girls were already uncomfortable because this trans woman had erections while in their common spaces and was staring at them as they changed. This might be the same story. It might be a different one. I'll go ahead and investigate that a little bit further for you guys. Now, Going back to our discussion on January 6th, remember how the media continues to milk that entire situation, right? Remember the amount of times that the Biden administration has condemned this insurrection. I mean, just today in Biden's announcement video, he started it out with the peaceful protesters of January 6th waving Trump flags. Yeah, that's literally what that was. It was people like standing around waving their Trump flags in front of the Capitol building. Why? To highlight how horrific January 6th was. However, I would like to highlight that over the past couple of months, this has happened in Oklahoma, Kentucky, here in Texas. Let's not forget about uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Now Montana, uh, trans activists have been storming You know, typically we would call that an insurrection of the Capitol and interrupting House proceedings all across the nation. And they've been doing it for months. These trans activists were arrested at the Montana State Capitol after uh, disrupting these House proceedings just yesterday. Now, here's uh, some video of what that looked like. There is a trans-identified representative named Zoe Zypher who was censured after making inappropriate remarks last week when the House debated amendments to Senate Bill 99 regarding sex changes for children. Zypher said to her colleagues, let me just put this up for you guys so you can see it here. The only thing I will say is if you vote yes on this bill and yes on these amendments, I hope the next time there's an invocation when you bow your heads in prayer, you see the blood on your hands. So uh, this is how Democratic representatives now speak to their fellow members that they disagree with. And then they go ahead and lead insurrections. They lead violent mobs onto the House floor to disrupt proceedings. But of course, because it is the radical left wing, because it's the militant arm of the Democratic Party that is taking place in these dramatic events, goes completely overlooked by the Biden administration. If anything, they cheer it on and say that it's a great thing. Uh, Just to give you guys again another example of how ridiculous the modern day is, here's left-wing protesters getting mad in Montana when the female clearly being arrested in this video is referred to as a female. Just watch. I'm the sheriff. But MHP does have the contract and they made the arrest. So I brought her down and she's been exceptionally nice. Okay. Sorry about that. So this is the problem, right? This sheriff saying, sorry about that. No, if you're a criminal and you're being arrested, I'm not adhering to your fake pronouns and you're clearly a female. That's ridiculous. Shut up. Go to jail.
you know, I don't even like people being arrested, to be quite honest. Because every single time I see somebody being arrested, it's usually a law-abiding American citizen that was just exercising their right to protect themselves. And then when the they-thems get arrested, you have police officers apologizing for not using their proper pronouns. And then the National Lawyers Guild comes in and gets them released that day. This is where our elected leaders are at. And it gets worse because I did mention Nashville. Remember the Tennessee Three that were one of the first ones to lead a violent mob into uh, the House proceedings in Nashville and shut that down. Now, Justin Jones, who was one of those expelled lawmakers, has apparently been arrested 14 times. Yes, my friends, we now have criminals leading this country, which, by the way, we already did. But now that the American public has become so desensitized to the corruption and the corrupt people running this country, because we've been so desensitized, uh, we can now just go ahead and elect people uh, like Justin Jones, who've been arrested 14 times and nobody bats an eyeball. Uh, so in 2020, as demonstrations and riots over the murder of George Floyd swept across the country, Justin Jones was arrested for allegedly assaulting a driver during a protest in Nashville. And he's now a Tennessee state representative. And then this entire story just goes on uh, to talk about their insurrection of the Capitol and how. Um, yeah, the other members of the House were basically like, yeah, we had to stop the entire proceeding because they hijacked the House floor and they completely shut everything down. So the article goes on further to talk about all of the other times <laughs> that this man has been arrested. Jones's campaign says he's been arrested 14 times for good trouble, borrowing a phrase from the late Representative John Lewis, an American civil rights leader. Now he uh, threw hot coffee on somebody. He blocked traffic in Nashville after former President Donald Trump was elected. He was arrested at a rally for then U.S. Senate candidate Marsha Blackburn. Um, <laughs> he said that he attended to only listen to the rally and then claimed he was arrested because of his race. However, then state GOP communications director Candace Dawkins, who is also black, said the party removed him from the event because he was known for his disruptive outbursts at campaign rallies. He was charged with trespassing, resisting arrest and disorderly conduct. The case was later dismissed. And then it goes on to talk about how he allegedly threw a cup of coffee at another state house speaker, Glenn Casada, and Republican Representative Deborah Moody while they stood in an elevator. So uh, there you guys go. And this was happening while he was protesting against the presence of a bust of Confederate General and Ku Klux Klan leader Nathan Bedford Forrest. So, uh, you know, if there's a statue that you don't like and you're a state representative that you don't like, just go ahead and throw hot coffee on them, get arrested 14 times, um, and then you'll get elected to be a state representative. Welcome to the United States in 2023. Now, Joe Biden also uh, came out just yesterday and he ma basically made the claim that there's no such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all of our children. And the reason why I wanted to bring up this quote was because the Biden administration has been at the forefront of pushing transgenderism on children, saying that it's a good thing, saying that parents should not be allowed to stop their child from transitioning. Um, many states going so far as to stop parents from even knowing if their child is dealing with these trans feelings which, by the way, Zuby came out with these threads today and all of these parents reached out to him. Um, this isn't even the worst one that he shared. Uh, he was sharing how these parents had a daughter. She started uh, developing a little bit early and she was uncomfortable with that. And so her parents sent her to a therapist and the therapist was basically like, you're trans because that's the protocol for therapists now. If a child says they're trans, the therapists have to go along with it. And if they don't, they lose their license. So that's one of the stories he shared. Here's another one. Um, Zuby saying that he received this message from parents um, shared with their permission. Uh, you have no idea how deep the trans community preyed on children throughout the pandemic. I'm dealing with it firsthand. Our daughter was playing a kid's game, Roblox, that was filled with child predators. We pulled her away from it when she mentioned she was non-binary. And then their son 
got around account restrictions, went onto Reddit. He fell into deep depression due to the lockdowns. And then he found the Reddit trans activist community and his parents tried to intervene, which led to the deterioration of their relationship. He thinks he's a trans girl. He will no longer speak to his parents because they won't put him on hormones. He's now calling his parents a Nazi and saying that his parents are in support of trans genocide and they feel like they can't even communicate with their child. So it's absolutely horrific to see how children are being targeted. And then when you have Joe Biden who champions trans kids and child genital mutilation surgery coming forward and saying, oh, nobody's children are their children. They're the nation's children. By the way, uh, these are the types of stories that go underreported by the trans community because they don't want you to understand the reality of genital mutilation surgery. These are the stories that are ignored by adults who purport to love trans kids. If you loved trans kids, you would not be allowing them to go on puberty blockers that could affect their fertility, uh, affect their health in the long run, that could, or pushing, again, these surgeries that could lead to their death. This comes from the post-millennial. Trans teen died from vaginoplasty complications during landmark Dutch study used to justify child sex changes. So uh, basically, this 18-year-old was a part of a Dutch study upon which the entire child sex change experiment is based, indicates that puberty suppression was to blame for this young person's death. So they were on puberty blockers. And because this person was on puberty blockers, um, their genitalia didn't grow, so they couldn't invert the male genitalia into a fake vagina, which led to them using portions of this person's colon to create the vagina. And then the bacteria from the colon basically turned into this 18-year-old dying. So there's a harsh reality of genital mutilation surgery that you are not going to see because the trans community keeps it covered up. Now, Matt Walsh has been at the forefront and he's been very strong on condemning these types of surgeries to the point where people are like, you know, it doesn't seem very conservative for you to advocate for the banning of all transition surgery, even for adults. Because then you're encroaching on people's personal freedoms. And I thought what Matt Walsh had to say was pretty interesting. He said, um, in response to this tweet, no conservative is for it. They just don't know how to respond when proponents say, well, then you don't believe in personal freedom uh, in regards to adults getting transition surgery. Matt says, this is easy to respond to. Gender transition isn't something that an adult does to his own body. It's something that doctors do to his body. It should not be legal for doctors to do that to anyone's body. This is a restriction on the doctors. And if you guys want to be uh, quite honest on the definition of genocide, it is sterilizing an entire uh, generation, an entire population, and what is happening to quote-unquote trans kids right now and transgender people. So Matt does make a very interesting point there. And let's listen to a detransitioner. Um, let me see. Okay, this was in New Hampshire. Uh, Chloe Cole shared this detransitioner uh, sharing her story of what it was like being transgender. Let's go ahead and listen. Hey, children and teens today, I identified myself as transgender for years. And when I started to feel confused and ashamed about my developing body, I asked everyone in my life to call me by a new name and use male pronouns to refer to me. But the constant affirmation, both active and passive, solidified me in my transgender identity. No one meant to lock me into an identity that would later leave me broken, ashamed, and more confused than before. They were really all just being nice. But the social transition eventually wasn't enough, and I soon felt I needed to take testosterone. And when that wasn't enough, I had a double mastectomy. And when that still wasn't enough, I had a total hysterectomy, including the removal of my uterus, cervix, fallopian tubes, and both ovaries. There's no point of contentment during a gender transition. We get fleeting moments of euphoria, but ultimately one step leads straight into the next. And I thought that in the end I could really become a man, but all I became was a mutilated and abused version of my old self. Social transition is a big deal and we're lying when we say that any of this is reversible. This is a big decision with lifelong consequences and New Hampshire doesn't even require that parents be involved. So more and more detransitioners are starting to speak out and that is the reality of the surgeries for a lot of transgender people. They think that the surgery is going to make them feel brand new, get rid of their feelings of anxiety and depression, which by the way are natural 
human emotions. I deal with intense depression and anxiety quite a bit, but guess what? That's a part of life. Some people are just more anxiety prone. So instead of mutilating your body or going on SSRIs, uh, maybe you learn how to naturally work through your emotions, discipline your mind. So that way those emotions aren't so overwhelming. So um, again, just heartbreaking to see what these children who were allowed to take puberty blockers, who were allowed to transition, had to go through. And this will continue because we have parents like this baby dad who, and this is a woman that transitioned into a man. Um, she won't be giving her kids a gender. She's from Connecticut. And um, this dad says he, that uh, he did not fully understand what being transgender meant, but said he never felt right as a female. Uh, so here is the dad right here saying that he is not going to give his children a gender and he's going to refer to them with they, them pronouns. Pray for these children. This is absolutely heartbreaking. And the reason why children are targeted is because they are so easily manipulated because the adult or the person that they're looking up to, their parent, whoever's in charge, they're going to take lead from. And here's a great example of what I'm talking about with that. This comes from Yahoo Entertainment. I don't know who Katie Price is, but apparently she's an OnlyFans model. And she has a daughter who's eight years old. And she was interviewing her daughter on her IG live stream. And her daughter admitted that she wanted to do OnlyFans just like her mom. This is a great example as to why it is so important for us to protect children, why it is so important for adults not to manipulate them. And this is a great example of how manipulated children can be. This eight-year-old child told her mother she wants to do OnlyFans just like her mommy. So when you have a they, them, she, him, her mom, dad thing saying to their child, you don't have a gender, you can be whatever you want. It's confusing the kid. It's indoctrinating that child. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Now, I'm going to get off on the trans subject because I already know. I mean, every day is basically Pride Month at this point, which absolutely sucks. I thought one month was bad, and now we have Trans Day of Visibility, the Trans Day of Vengeance, the Lesbian Visibility Week. It's just, I don't, please, enough is enough, bro. Like, just go to work your regular nine to five and be a normal ass person like the rest of us. Y'all are so extra. Enough is enough. We're so tired of having to validate you people. Go with the fat acceptance movement, people. Y'all have fun validating each other because I'm exhausted trying to even keep up with this nonsense. Let's go ahead and touch on the border and then we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. A 3,000 strong migrant caravan has begun walking toward the U.S.-Mexico border. Around 3,000 migrants set out on Sunday in a large caravan from south southern Mexico and began walking north in what organizers said was a protest demanding an end to detention centers like the one that burned down last month, killing dozens. Now, the funny part about this story is that these migrants were illegally, you know, crossing into all these countries, making their way through Mexico City. And uh, the officials in Mexico put them in one of these detention centers. And <laughs> the migrants were told they were going to be deported. So the migrants decided to set a mattress on fire, killing 40 people and injuring dozens of others. And now you have 3,000 migrants protesting the fact that one of their own started a fire that killed 40 people. Let me just read this for you because it just sounds so ridiculous. It sounds like I'm making it up, right? Deadly fire. Uh, the associate, uh, let me see. There's the organizer told the Associated Press that the migrants are demanding the closure of Mexico's immigration agency, which some have blamed for a March 27th fire at a detention center in Juarez that killed 40 people and injured dozens more. It could well have been any of us Salvadorian migrant, blah, 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 said. In fact, a lot of our countrymen died. The only thing we're asking for is justice. The fire on March 22nd, 27th started when migrants set fire to a foam mattress when they found out that they would be deported. It's just, it's, it's all such a joke to me. So anyways, we have more migrants coming to the U.S. 
border because uh, Title 42 is actually set to expire next month anyway. Remember that this was a Trump era policy in which uh, Border Patrol was able to turn away migrants at the border due to health reasons. Remember, we were going through the COVID pandemic and they were like, hey, turn around, sorry. And it basically made it easier to expel these illegal immigrants. That is set to expire on May 11th. And we're already seeing caravans make their way towards the U.S. border. We also have another whistleblower coming out. Um, They're going to be telling the House tomorrow that the U.S. government is a middleman in the multi-million, excuse me, multi-billion dollar migrant child trafficking operation. Now, I reported on this last year with MVM Inc. And my whistleblower came forward and said, we work for this federally funded organization that got $150 million from the Biden administration, by the way. And uh, we basically get these migrant kids and we go hand them off to sponsors. And the issue is the sponsors, which are supposed to be vetted by the government, are not being vetted. And the children have n- admitted themselves like, yeah, we don't know this adult you're handing us off to. We don't know who this person is. And the government's just like, yeah, OK, it's fine. Just give the kid away. Let's take a peek at the numbers here. And again, this is happening tomorrow. This is going to be testimony from a whistleblower who will warn lawmakers that the U.S. essentially works for the cartels. Imagine that. It's called the Biden border crisis, exploitation of unaccompanied alien children. It's going to be held by the House Judiciary Subcommittee, and it's going to examine the surge in unaccompanied children at the southern border. And I really want to just focus in on... um, This horrific statistic right here, Uh, the Biden administration has been rocked by a number of reports that officials have been unable to make contact with more than 85,000 child migrants. And more recently, the administration officials ignored signs of explosive growth in child labor in the U.S. A number have been forced into indentured servitude to pay back smugglers and have worked in dire conditions. So there you guys go. There is Joe Biden's America. We got child labor via illegal children. Now, uh, Eric Adams has also been at the forefront of the immigration situation, because remember that this is the same mayor of New York that back in October of 2021 was saying, we should protect our immigrants, period. Yes, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. Fast forward to 2023. You know, we, the city is being destroyed by the migrant crisis, and none of my folks came to Washington, D.C. to fight for the resources that's going to undermine every agency in our city. I'm sorry. Migrants are destroying the city. What happened to this energy from 2021, Eric Adams? What what happened? Is it is it the fact that uh, illegal immigration is going to be costing New Yorkers upwards of ten billion dollars in 2023? Is it maybe the fact that uh, your city's becoming overwhelmed because you opened your city's borders to all of the illegal immigrants and now they're coming on in just like you you asked them to? There's a lot going on in New York City hotels, by the way, funded by the taxpayers. All the migrants staying there for free on New Yorkers' dimes. Well, there's still homeless New Yorkers on the street, by the way. The border issue is only going to get worse come May because Title 42 will be expiring. So uh, buckle up, buckaroos, because it's only going to get worse. I don't want to leave you on such a bad note. I want to leave you uh, with something more positive. So again, uh, you know, keeping with the theme of this show, I think that it's going to be a great thing to see what what the future holds for independent media for Tucker Carlson himself. Um, I, I see the positivity. I could see the silver lining. I have been really tired of continuously being outraged all the time. And I am outraged by what's happening in our country, but it does get exhausting continuously reporting bad news to you guys. So wanted to try to spin that a little bit more positively for you. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Please remember to go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do like the show, I read every single one. It helps us grow in the charts. Check out my subscribe star. If you guys miss me here on YouTube, it's usually because I am reporting on the ground. So, you know, follow my Twitter for 
all of my reporting in lifetime. Link is down below. Check out my website, savsaysofficial.com. I also write articles for the Post Millennial, so you can find all of them there. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez.